this year, obviously, because the year is Hebrew, this year the Bible is going to go and grab those, so we've got your reading screen behind me. We're going to be reading from Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 4. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors, to the prophets, and had many times and very ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. He appointed an heir of all things, which we have also made the event. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. After He has provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty in heaven. So He became as much superior to angels as the name that inherited the superior. Father, we praise you for how good and gracious you are towards us. Thank you for what a wonderful blessing it is for us to not only be studying here at uni, but for the opportunity to gather around the word and to pray your name so openly to God's name. Please open our ears and our hearts to you today. Grow us and stretch us by your word so that we can live more radically into you. And it's the Son's name. Amen. If I haven't met you before, my name's Rowan Kemp. My privilege to work alongside the EU uh, in the EU staff team, which I lead, and it's really wonderful to have you here for the first EU public meeting for the year. Hand up if this is your first public meeting for the EU. Go on, be bold. Yeah, give them a round of applause. It's great. Excellent. All right. I genuinely hope and pray that this is just the first of many that you might come to in your time at university because I hope that this is the one sort of sitting in a lecture theatre hour that you have in the week that genuinely transforms your life. I know it's laughable, isn't it? The thought you could sit in a lecture theatre and walk out with a life transformed. But if we're going to be looking at the word of the one true living God, if it's not me who's speaking today, but we're looking at God's word together today, then, then maybe, just may, maybe that might happen to you today. Your life might get transformed as the one true living God speaks to you. That would be pretty cool. But at the moment, I've got a question for you to talk to the person next to you about this. Um, I just wonder, I'd be interested to know, genuinely interested to know, Who's the, the most important slash famous person that you've ever had a conversation with? Right? I don't count going to a Britney concert as, you know, actually <laughs> you've met her. But who's the most important or famous, significant person you've ever had an actual conversation with? Chat to the person next to you. You've got about 30 seconds to swap stories. So if, if the person next to you had a very impressive answer to that question, then you might like, you know, if you just have a quick look, is it okay if I share that answer? You might like to just check, but I'd love to, we'd all love to hear some impressive conversations that people have actually had. Anyone actually have something to share? Yeah. Wrong tip. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank Thank you for giving us a laughable answer. Thank you. That's just, that's lovely. Okay. Come on. For real. Okay. Really? None of you have ever had a conversation with anyone who's, oh yeah. Okay. David Attenborough. 
Yeah. Okay. That that's that would be cool. That would be cool. Okay. Yep. Who else? Any other impressive? It may not be that impressive, but yeah. The Prince of Denmark. David Attenborough? Yes, Prince of Denmark. <laughs> Who else? Yeah, any others? Yeah. Tiger Woods. Famous or infamous? I don't know. It's sort of a bit of both. One last one. One last one. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. It's the faceless people behind the seats of power. That's what I think. I wonder if we're sitting up there. Um, I I studied at this university for a very very long time. I was doing postgraduate research, and um, my whole you know I spent I think in the end it was like five years doing research. And the the main guy I was trying to sort of follow in the footsteps of was this American professor, and he was like he he was a giant in the field. You know, he took all of his great learning and he got behind sort of an academic bulldozer and he just bulldozed sort of new results in this whole field and it left the rest of us sort of postgraduate research students to sort of follow along in his wake and tidy up the little things that he'd left undone, right? I was one of those people, right? He's in America, I'm in Australia. I, I, I do some work and miraculously under God, I get a, a result. It's actually a good result. It actually means that I get to go to a conference overseas and present it, not to give a talk, but a poster session, right? I put my results up on the board. This giant is at the conference. He's giving the keynote addresses. He comes along in the poster session. I'm standing there, little me, next to my poster. He walks up to me and says, we should have a chat. Okay, awesome. And so on the last day of the conference, we sat down at morning tea and we had a chat. And I, I remember pretty much everything he said to me that day because I was listening for anything that might help me actually get this degree. So I was looking for every hint, every sort of commendation. I, I just paid great attention because of who he was. Let's now look at the book of Hebrews. Let's now see what we read in these opening verses of this particular book in the Christian Bible. Because my question to you today is the writer to the Hebrews question to his initial readers and to us today, which is this. Who are you really listening to? When I met that dude, I was so paying attention because of who he was. The book of Hebrews question, and my question to you today is, who are you really listening to? So let's have a look at what the Bible has to say here. i put the first little bit of it up on the screen. Let's start there at the beginning. Hebrews chapter 1. It might be helpful if you can call it up. If you've got a Bible there, open it up. Or if you've got it on your phone, it'd be helpful to open it up. If you don't have a Bible app or something like that, you can go to BibleGateway.com and call up Hebrews chapter 1 and you'll find it there on your phone and it's really useful to have a look at. You might notice the way the author starts. He says this, In the past, 
God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Now, you can see there I've deliberately set it out in a particular way, separating out his two main ideas. In the past, God spoke. Who did he speak to? He spoke to our ancestors. How did he do it? Through the prophets, at many times, various ways. If you know the Christian Bible, you know your Old Testament, you'll know, actually, yeah, that's right. God spoke to his people through prophets at various times, different ways, all throughout the Old Testament. But then the author says, but now, in these last days, he's spoken, again, to us by his Son. A couple of things just to note there. The very idea, first of all, that God speaks, that's quite a contentious idea, wouldn't you say, these days? Actually, the very idea that maybe God exists is contentious. That that there are gods at all is contentious. But the claim of the Christian Bible from beginning to end is that, yes, there is a God. In fact, there is only one true and living God, a God who really lives and breathes, so to speak. doesn't breathe, but so to speak, who lives, who exists. One God overall. And that this God is not silent. This God is not actually unknowable, but that this God has spoken. One true living God who has spoken, which means we can listen, which means we can understand. He's spoken to our ancestors. He's spoken to us. And how's he done that? Well, you notice here with the separation of past and present, In the past, yes, he spoke through the prophets, but now he's spoken through his son, which the writer, when you get through to chapter 2, will identify who's he talking about when he says his son. He's talking about the person Jesus of Nazareth. He's spoken to us now through one particular person, climactically. Yes, he spoke in various ways through the prophets. Thus said the Lord is what they always said, but now he's spoken through his son. It's a new day. A new situation. God has spoken climactically to us through this person, Jesus. Now, what he then goes on to do in the next, the rest of those verses through to the end of verse 4, is he describes this son. He describes this person of Jesus. Now, when you look at it, it just seems like a whole lot of words. Just And actually, in the original language, as I've tried to represent here, it's one long sentence, just one sentence from verse 1 through to verse 4. And it sort of piles on the descriptions, and it's hard sometimes to sort of navigate your way through it. So I'm wondering whether this will help you. This might help you make sense of what is said. Let me read through it, what you can see up there, and see if you can find out why... I have set it out like this. What's what's similar between the different clauses as they line up? He's spoken to us now through his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world, being the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, 
upholding all things by the word of his power, having made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Let me show you how this sort of works. You'll notice what's right at the centre. What's right at the centre are these two causes here. The sun is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. That is, when you look at the person of Jesus, what you see is the character and person of God reflected to you. You want to know what that one true living God is like? Well, he's actually come amongst us in the person of Jesus and he is the radiance of God's glory. When you're looking at him, you're seeing the glory of God reflected in this human being. And he's further the exact imprint of his nature. The word um, the writer uses there is the sort of, the word that you would use to describe if you took an engraving tool and you sort of engraved your name, you know, onto the desk, just in this, conveniently, it's made of wood here in chemistry, and you just, you've never done that, have you? Look, I confess, I did that. I Fortunately, they've ripped out that desk now, but there was a particular place where there was a particular piece of graffiti that, yes, was mine. And, you know, if you engrave it, the word he's using there, he's saying the sun is the exact engraving of the one true living God. It's a representation of who that God is. He sort of made his imprint in this particular person. So God has, yes, spoken. He's spoken not just through the words of Jesus, he's spoken in the very person of Jesus because Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature. That's who Jesus is. And then work outwards from that middle bit. Through whom he created the world and who is upholding all things by the word of his power. What do you see here? That through this person, Jesus, the one true living God created all things and that Jesus sustains all those things. They're not just created through him, but he now actively sustains it by the word of his power. So powerful is the Lord Jesus Christ that he is upholding the universe that you and I inhabit right now. If Jesus chose to, to, to cease to uphold the universe at this moment, it's over. But graciously he sustains this creation through which or through whom the very creation came into being. This is who he is. The exact representation of God, the one through whom God the Father created all things and who now upholds all things. But it's not only that. Keep going. Go up higher. Whom he appointed the heir of all things. I don't know if I'm going to be the heir to very much. My parents are lovely people, but they're not very wealthy. I know that for some of you in this room, just because you're at Sydney Uni and a bunch of you, you know, slummed it on the train on the way down from the North Shore, that <laughs> there are some of you here who are going to inherit very many things one day, right? Well, even you pale into insignificance compared to Jesus. Because Jesus has been appointed by God the Father as heir of all things. He is going to inherit the lot. This university 
our country, you, me, the Andromeda Nebula, is that a nebula? I don't know, but it's a galaxy, thank you, the Andromeda Galaxy. He is going to inherit it all. God the Father says to his son Jesus, you I am appointing heir of all things. But not just that, notice how it pairs up. It pairs up with this one. Having made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He sits down at God his Father's right hand, a position of authority, a position of rule. He's been given this particular status to rule over things and to inherit all things. But not only that, he purified all these things. He's not going to inherit a corrupted universe. He's not going to inherit corrupted people like you and me. He's provided purification for all sins so that he might inherit everything pure and blameless. This is who he is. And so we come out to the most, the, out, the, the, the final sort of outward line. He's spoken to us through his son, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. The name that he has inherited is this name of son, this title of son, this position as God's appointed son. And the son of God the Father is far superior to angels who are his messengers. Now that's going to become an important theme throughout the rest of the book of Hebrews. The rest of the book of Hebrews wants to help its readers, help you and me too, to know how important and significant Jesus is so that you might listen to him. And so one of the things he's going to do is say, Jesus is far more important than any of the ways God spoke through the Old Testament. He's more important than the prophets. They have their place. More important than the angels through whom the law was given in the Old Testament. They have their place. But Jesus is far, far better because he has a better name. He's the Son. He's been the one who has been seated now at God's right hand. What class have you had today? What lectures or tutes have you had today? Okay, I can see some some looks going like this. Okay, so you haven't had any classes today. <laughs> or you didn't go to them anyway. But um, tell, tell me a class you've had today. Call it, call it out. Wow us with the intellectual prowess, weight of your courses. Immunology. <laughs> call out something else. What else? Greek. Good on you. Good on you. What else? Sorry, what? The federal constitution. I don't know why you're doing it. It's just the vibe anyway. It's just the vibe. Um, one more. One more. Give something from the humanities. Come on, be bold. Sorry? International security in the 21st century. That's a dream. Yep. One more. Come on, someone, anyone do any history? Anyone do any philosophy? Practical ethic. Okay, practical ethic. Okay. Very, very important subjects, all of these things, right? Very important, all of these. Now I can't remember why I was asking you that question. <laughs> I got way, way laid with trying to get... Anyway, uh, I can't remember why I was going to ask that, so I'm just going to move on. 
he's trying to point out here the, the greatness of the person of Jesus so that you might listen to him. So that you might listen to him. Oh, I remember where I was going now with my example. <laughs> here it is. Whilst you're sitting in international security or you're sitting in Greek or you're sitting in immunology or whatever you've been sitting in today, where was Jesus? Well, mate, mate, you probably didn't think about it, right, while you're sitting there in the lecture or the tube or whatever, but where, where, where was Jesus? I mean, if Jesus is alive, as the Bible tells us, he's alive, he's not dead, he's not just an idea, he's not a concept, he's a person who lives with flesh and blood, he's alive. Where was he as you sat in immunology? Oh, well, he must be the person sitting in the blank seat. Oh, really? If he's sitting there, then what, he wasn't in the Greek class or he wasn't in international security class. What? No, he can't have been sitting there in your lecture theatre. He's got flesh and blood, right? What does Hebrews 1 tell you? Where was he? Where is he right now as we're here in chemistry? He is seated at the right hand of his Father in heaven. He lives. He's done his purification work at the cross. He sat down, finished his work. And the Father has said, you are my son and you will inherit all things. And the one true living God has spoken to us through this son. As you sat in your lecture or tutor today, I hope you are paying attention. I hope you are listening to what you're hearing. I mean, that's why you're here, right? To, to listen and learn. Are you listening to him? Okay, so a bit of an activity for you. Why is the writer to the Hebrews, why is the author telling us this? This is just, I mean, all I've done is dug into the first four verses and that's all I'm going to dig into today, right? As we look at this book of Hebrews in the course of this year in EU public meetings. We won't do all the public meetings on it. About half will be on the book of Hebrews. So what I want you to do is I want you to pair up the person next to you and I want you to choose just two, just two out of these different passages in the book of Hebrews and ask the question, what is the author's point? What is the author trying to achieve, do you think, in this letter, in this book? just by looking at some of these passages. So just look up two, and just, just you're just looking for what, what do we see here about the author's point? BibleGateway.com, if you need a copy of Hebrews, have a look. Okay. I'm going to call it there. I'm going to call this bit there. If you... It, if you want to sort of explore this a bit further, take a screenshot of that and you can go look that up later during the week. Spend some time in the book of Hebrews, that's really good. But what you'll notice, I think, hopefully just by the ones that you looked up, whichever ones you looked up, you'll get the same sort of message. That is, his message is, I want you to keep going, to persevere in following Jesus. Don't give up on what you've heard. Don't ignore it, but keep persevering in your trust in Jesus to the very end. Uh, one a uh, Christian preacher described it like this. I thought it was pretty good. He said, the message really is stick with the best. Just It's not just Jesus is better, but actually stick with the best. 
That's his message. You've got to stick with Jesus all the way through. Keep on listening with that humble and believing heart. Now, the author describes his letter at the end as a short word of exhortation. It's only about 7,000 words, the whole letter, right? So it's not actually that long. It's a word of exhortation, encouragement, and his method of encouraging them to stick with it to the end, this is interesting, his method of encouraging is paint a clearer picture of how great Jesus is. How do we often encourage each other? Well, encourage each other? We sort of, we use the stick, right? His method actually, yes, there's warnings in here as well, but it starts with painting a clearer picture of how awesome Jesus is so that you might want to listen to him. That's what he's seeking to do. So if you want a clearer picture of Jesus this year, then guess what? You can get one by read Hebrews to relearn Jesus. I mean, this is, I think this is right. If you want a clearer picture of Jesus, if you want to sort of understand Jesus as he really is, why not read the book of Hebrews? Because that's what the author to Hebrews is trying to do. Help you get a clearer picture of who he is. So I want to encourage you to do that. Now, there's lots of great truths in the book of Hebrews that we're going to explore over the rest of this year when we're doing Hebrews in public meetings. There's questions like, what happens to those who fall away from the Christian faith? We're going to explore that. How do you understand the Old Testament? How do you understand suffering and the purposes of God? Practical holiness for God's people. There's lots of really good practical stuff we're going to look at this year in the book of Hebrews. So I hope that you're ready for that. But the question you might have is, how does any of this relate to me, to us? Well, I just want to give you a few thoughts on that as we come to the end. It's this. How does this relate to us? Here's my little method for trying to work out how a passage in the Bible relates to us, to me. I go through a couple of steps. I don't just read myself straight into the text because that's a bit crazy. What we need to do is actually, I think, go through these sort of steps. You need to identify, first of all, what was their situation who first received this letter? Now, when you look up those passages there, Hebrews 12, verse 4, and Hebrews 10, verse 32 to 36, you can find out a little about their situation. They were facing significant persecution for following Jesus. At one point, the writer says, look, don't freak out. You've not yet resisted sin to the point of shedding your blood. That is, you've not yet had to die for your beliefs. They were facing significant persecution. Uh, you can see in chapter 10, verses 32 to 36, he t- says, remember those first days when you sort of took on the faith and you were suffering for it, but you still had joy? He calls them back to the, those days when they were enduring persecution, but still had the joy of believing in Jesus. So they were facing persecution. So he encourages them to look to Jesus to enable them to persevere to the end in the face of that persecution. What was their background though? Their background seems to be that they were steeped in Jewish background. They knew their Old Testament. All the way through the book of Hebrews is quotation after quotation from the Old Testament. Um, The writer talks about people from the Old Testament. He talks about the rituals of the Old Testament. It's just steeped in the Old Testament, which is going to be great for us because that helps us to work out how to read the Old Testament, understand the Old Testament with a Christian framework. So that'll be very useful for us. But that was their background, steeped in Jewish teaching. So how did this message work for them 
Well, when they were facing with persecution, it was tempting for them to let go of Jesus and go back to their Jewish roots. Christianity was much more difficult to follow in the culture of the day than Judaism. And so therefore, the temptation for them was to go back to their Jewish roots. So that's why the author in the book of Hebrews constantly says, Jesus actually is far better than what we had in Judaism and is actually the completion of what you had in Judaism. So don't let go of him. But what about then for us? What similarities and differences are there? See, for them, they had competing voices. Yes, God had spoken through the prophets. God had spoken through the angels and the deliverance of the law. But were they going to listen to Jesus or go back to those old voices? Now, my guess is they're not the voices that you feel tempted to follow. But actually, we do live in a world full of competing voices with many reasons to follow them. So let's think about that. You hear competing voices all the time, don't you? Every lecture you go to, every tute you go to, is a competing voice to the voice of Jesus. That's not a bad thing. That's just reality. Reality. Every time you scroll through Insta, you're hearing competing voices telling you how your life should be or what you should really care about. Every time you watch a YouTube video, more competing voices. Every billboard as you go on the bus or the train on the way home, another competing voice. The opinions of your friends, the helpful advice of your parents, the complaints of your girlfriend or boyfriend, even the compliments of your boyfriend or girlfriend. They are all voices competing into your mind let alone then the pronouncements of the world's politicians or philosophers or the great religions of the world. The claim here in the Christian Bible is that the one true living God has spoken in the person of his son, Jesus of Nazareth. Will we listen to him? It's not a dead word because he's not dead. He lives, seated at the right hand of his father. And it's a word that saves, a word that if you hold on to it in faith and persevere, will see you into God's presence. Will you heed that word? Have you ever had the experience, this experience? I mean, as the one speaking here, not the one with the ear, but, you know, the earphones in. Trying to talk to people when they've got the earphones in. Can you imagine being in a room full of people, all with their earphones in, and you're there with a really important message that you're trying to, and you yell, you try to do everything you can to get their attention, but they're just, they're just listening to competing voices, right? That is our world. The one true living God has spoken, and people are walking around with the earphones in. They can't hear him. Are you walking around with the earphones in? How are you going to be this year? Are you going to listen to him in his word here in the Christian scriptures? Will you let it transform you, shape you? 
Because that's what the EU wants to do. The EU wants to help you to grow, to mature, to listen to him and be changed by that. But also, I guess the question is, what about all those out there? What about all of those who don't yet have a relationship with the one true living God through his faith in his son, Jesus? They're walking around with their earphones in. Will you help them take it out? What about the 18,000 students from mainland China who are walking around on our campus, most of whom have never even heard the name of Jesus? How hard would it be for you this year to make an international friend? Would that be that hard? Maybe you can be somebody who can help them take their earphones out and listen to the one true living God who made them and loved them and sent his son for them. That's what the EU wants to do, to present that life-giving gospel to the rest of the campus. But of course, it's not just about now. It's also about, will you be a person who listens and helps others listen for the rest of your life? Will you do it amongst those who are less reached and less resourced with the Christian gospel? These are some of the challenges that are before us as we start this year with Jesus sitting at his Father's right hand, with his word spoken to us. Will we listen? Will we help others listen? Until we see him face to face.